Hello everybody, my name is Ben Schluter and welcome to this, a little bit of a thing that, like I said, I was going to be doing every single month for the college basketball season, which is a quick recap of some of the scoring anomalies and other things that have happened in the Division I game for the prior month. Uh, this time we've actually gotten it out before halfway through the next month. How crazy is that? Am I right? So, uh, if you didn't listen to the first episode of this totally well-strung and in no way cobbled-together mess of a thing. Um, basically, for the Division One men's and women's seasons, I do a thing where I keep track of not necessarily every score, but a lot of them, um, and I categorize them and keep them in a Word document. Um, it's slightly different between men's and women's, and by slightly different, I mean there's literally one thing that you cannot do with the women's scores that you can with the men's, that is deal with Ken Palm ratings, because guess what? There are no Ken Palm ratings for women's basketball. I know that needs to change, but I'm not going to be the one to do it because I'm not him. Uh, but yeah, so again, what are the things that are uh, tracked on these lists? Games in which the total score is higher is at least 200 points or higher. Games in which the score fails to reach a total of 100. Games in which at least one team scores at least 100 points. Um, note that if both teams do it, I'm only counting the game once. Games in which at least one team fails to score 50 points. And again, games in which both teams fail to score 50 only count once because I am not dealing with the doubling up thingy that would take too much time. Um, what else is a part of this, you might be asking? Well, there's also blowouts of the 50-plus point variety. So at least 50 points, if you beat a team by that many, you get on the list. I also keep track of double-ups, which is uh, take the losing score, multiply it by two. Do you get the winning score? If you do, that's a double-up. If you don't, it's still a double-up. If you get it to be higher, it's not a double-up. And then I round down to the nearest half if there's anything like two and a half, three, but I don't actually keep track of how many of those happen in each month because I feel like they're unnecessary. Also keep track of the number of cross-divisional upsets, so if a non-D1 team beats a D1 team, it goes on the list. And finally, the AP ranking upsets, so if a lower-ranked AP team beats a higher-ranked team, it goes on the list. If an unranked team beats a ranked team, it goes on the list. It doesn't matter who was favored in the game. By Vegas because I don't care about that. Also, uh, for the men's only, Ken Palm upsets of at least 75 spots. So yeah, let us get in to this thing. Let us begin on the men's side. So again, this is all for games from December the 1st to December the 31st, which, yeah. We begin by talking about the largest Ken Palm upset, as I did last time. Um, and boy, we broke a record. Uh, yeah, this is the new largest for the year. So last month there was an upset when Lafayette beat Rutgers. That was 236. Uh, this one kind of blows that out of the water. This was a this was a huge upset of 278 spots. Idaho went. Uh, they played a home game against South Dakota State. Idaho was 352nd in the country. Now, to put this into perspective, there are 358 teams in Division One, So, that's bottom 10 in the country, 
and they beat the number 74 ranked team in this it's not really a poll moreover it uses statistics to ranked where uh, to rank where teams should be uh, rated yada 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 anyway they beat South Dakota State by 14 on the eighth 300 I, I've never seen that I've never seen a team in the bottom 10 just you know decide hey what if we just go and beat a team by four by double digits and they're a top 100 team they're a top 75 team like okay then you guys decided to be cool amazing so yeah huge huge upset and uh hats off to them by the way speaking of upsets i should note who was the unfortunate uh well, no, not who was unfortunate. Who were the ones that lost to non-D1 schools in the month of December, of which there were only two? Um, you, of course, had the infamous Academy of Art UC Davis game, which was... Um, Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. That was in November. I had forgotten that. Sorry. I'm stupid. There was only one this month. Um, and that one game? Well, that was the biggest upset I've ever seen. Until I learned this isn't the only time it's happened. Bethesda um, is an NCCAA school. National Christian College Athletics Association. And they were, they only had two wins on the season. They were like 2-10 and ten coming in. They went to Cal State Northridge, and they beat them 82-80. to This is the second time that Bethesda's beaten Cal State Northridge. I don't even know how that's possible. Because in 2016, it was the 2016-17 season, Bethesda did the same thing. They're one of only three NCAA schools to ever beat a D1 team. I tried to find the others, and I had a very difficult time. Um, and, yeah... Let's just say that's kind of embarrassing. So, yeah, hats off to Bethesda and Cal State Northridge. Who boy. Now let's actually get into scoring anomalies. We begin by talking about the games that had at least 200 points scored in them. Of which, there were only two, actually. There was the Belmont-Bethel game... Bethel, a NAIA school in Indiana. That game ended 115-86 to in favor of Belmont for a total of 201, but the highest scoring game happened on the first day of the month. And that was a pretty infamous game uh, in which NC State and Nebraska played a quadruple overtime thriller that ended 104-100 to in favor of the Wolfpack. So it took you four overtimes to score 204 points. There was a 201-point game, and that's it. That is unfortunate. I like high-scoring games. Now, as for the lowest-scoring game, it was on the same day. And it was an absolute and utter joke. In fact, I'm going to mention this game uh, right now alongside where it falls, because this was not just the lowest-scoring game. This was also a game that involved the lowest scoring D1 team in a single game. This game 
was a 51-29 Washington State road victory over the Arizona State Sun Devils. 29 is actually a tie. Uh, there were three non-Division One teams that scored 29 points in a game, but the fact that you are a D1 school that managed to do this makes this all the more impressive. Now, if we actually go to the box score of this game, we will see that this was an absolute tragedy for shooting. Yes, neither one of these teams was making anything. Uh, nothing was falling. I don't know what was happening. So, Washington State won this game on 18 of 59 shooting. That's 30.5%. They were 7 of 24 from beyond the arc, and they were 8 of 14 from the uh, free throw line. Uh, as for the 29-point scoring Arizona State Sun Devils, 12 of 57, 21.1%. They were 3 of 26 from beyond the arc. I don't know why you kept shooting threes. Uh, and you were 2 of 8 from the free throw line. This game featured a bajillion rebounds because they kept missing shots. Washington State finished with 53 rebounds, and Arizona State finished with 39. There were 15 uh, offensive rebounds by Washington State to 10 for Arizona State. Oh my goodness, the defensive rebounds. Uh, 38 for the Cougars, 29 for the Sun Devils. This game also involved 30 turnovers, 15 by each side. This game was just out of control, utter stupidity that no sane person should have, like, ever, ever done. Just, what, if you watched this game, I feel bad for you. I didn't watch this game. Um, so, th thankfully I didn't. I don't really know what to say. There's nothing to say except this was an absolute joke of a game. And I didn't look at the other low-scoring games, which, by the way, I guess I might as well go into that since I got on the topic, as Arizona State was not the only team to do this. You also had NCCAA school Boyce, a 90-29 loss the same day, uh, December 1st. You had UAB uh, beating Millsaps 103-29. And Millsaps is a D3 school that happened on the 12th. And then uh, SIU Edwardsville, they won 84-29 to over William Woods. That was on the 19th. All of those schools scored 29 points, which was a four-way tie for last. But if you want to see high scores, the high-scoring team in any single game was Bowling Green. They did it against Carlo. Carlo, you might remember from last time as being the team that kept getting blown out and also had the most points scored against them. Yes, they lost 135-40 to to James Madison, and in this game, they lost 129-50 to to Bowling Green. That, that's not great. This was on the 21st of December. Now, the highest-scoring team in a D1 versus D1 game, which is, you know, supposed to be a little bit closer, uh, was Houston. At the time, they were ranked number 15. They scored 111 on Bryant in a 111-44 victory on the third. Now, not only were both of those games uh, the ones in which two teams scored the highest, they were also the largest blowouts. Yes, that 79-point blowout that Bowling Green gave to Carlo was the largest of any kind, and the largest D1 versus D1 blowout was that 111-44 victory, which was a 67-point blowout.
That is the new record this year for largest D1 versus D1 blowout, and I'd be shocked if we see any sort of um, improvement on it, but who knows. Of course, still got the 95. It'll be very difficult to break that. So, um, yeah, just in conclusion, and I forgot to wrap this up, um, 80, that 80-point 80 game, that's actually a tie for the lowest-scoring game. We have that 47-33 Navy-Radford game in November on the 20th, so we'll see if we get a game that goes sub-80 in the men's. Who knows? And then we have 135 is still the highest uh, total by any team this year. Um... 119 still the highest total in a D1-D1 game. Uh, the lowest scoring team, 20. That's probably not going to get broken. Lowest scoring D1 team in a single game, 33. Um, that just got broken, so congratulations there. But um, yeah, I'm trying to get through this as fast as possible, mainly because the women's scores get actually kind of ridiculous. Um, so first of all, of the cross-divisional upsets, there was one that I found, and that was a game between Texas. I'm double-checking this, by the way. I might actually have this wrong uh, because I know that Texas A&M International, they played Florida A&M, and against Texas A&M International, yes, this did happen. Okay, yeah, Texas A&M International won 68-55. to that is a D2 school beating a D1 school by 13 points. But that's the only instance of it. Now, let's get into the leaders. Now, last month, I might have missed what the high-scoring game was. This, this month, I didn't. No, there were actually two games that managed to crack the 200-point barrier, which was something we were sorely missing in the month of um, November. And for some bit of the month of December until it actually happened. And it was a it was a very high-scoring game. The first game that broke the 200-point barrier was the highest scoring. The second highest scoring was a 107-93 game in which DePaul defeated St. John's on the road. Uh, but the highest-scoring one was one that can only be described as a scoring bonanza. 226 total points... That is higher than any men's game in the month of December or the month of November. This is now the highest scoring Division I basketball game of the season. Yes, it took me that long to figure this out. I'm weird. Um, yeah, this was a 121-105 game between Georgia Southern and Gardner-Webb on the 11th. Um, this game did not go into overtime somehow. You look at the numbers here, the stats are incredible. Uh, so, like, you have 37 of 62 shooting for Gardner-Webb, you have 43 of 75 for Georgia Southern, uh, from beyond the arc, 10 of 22 for the Bulldogs, and for the Eagles, 14 of 25. These teams went to the free throw line a combined 60, uh, 61 free throw attempts for these two teams. 21 of 31 for the running Bulldogs, I forgot that extra little part, 21 of 30 for the Eagles. Yeah. How many turnovers were in this game? Only 31. 17 for Gardner-Webb and 14 for Georgia Southern. Uh, just, woo, baby. Uh, 
a lot of stuff going on in this game. A lot of stuff going on, and much of it was scoring. If you actually look at the box score, which is what we are doing now. Uh, yeah. Gardner-Webb had two players in double in a 30-plus points, uh, which is actually kind of insane. Uh, zero players in 30-plus points for Georgia Southern. Uh, their highest scoring player had 24. This game was in tra uh, insane. I cannot speak words right now, and I do not know why. What I do know is this. This game did not only happen to be the highest scoring women's basketball game in total, but Georgia Southern's 121 is the highest in any game involving two D1 teams. So that's a thing. Uh, but Georgia Southern was not to be outdone. And when I say they were not to be outdone, um, I mean that if you think that was crazy, they decided to break some stuff two days later. Because I'm going to skip going to the lowest scoring game and go on to the biggest blowout and highest scoring game. Because, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you might have heard about this game. That's how big this got. Georgia Southern played Carver College on the 13th of December. And they beat them 133 to 15. That is a 118-point blowout. That is apparently like the second or third largest in the history of women's basketball. I just, how are you even supposed to process that? Um, if you want to try and process it, uh, first of all, so, hold on, two sec, go. All right, the plane has decided to pass. So let's look at this, 133 to 15. So this was the largest blowout in women's basketball. This also involved the lowest scoring team for a women's basketball game, that 15. Um, honorable mention, by the way, goes to uh, Northland in Division Three, who played St. Thomas, uh, the new team that moved from Division Three to D1. Uh, that game ended 92-19 to in favor of the Tommies. So yeah, that happened. Uh, this was the highest scoring team, you know, 133 most points. Um, yeah, 118 point blowout. That's kind of insane. So let's look at the actual scoring. So Carver was 6 of 49. That's 12.2% shooting. They were 2 of 18 from beyond the arc. That's not good. 1 of 6 from the free throw line. That's terrible. Um, meanwhile, Georgia Southern. They were 53 of 88. They were 5 of 19 from beyond the arc. 22 of 24 from the free throw line. Which, okay. So I just need to ask, how were you that good from the free throw line? It doesn't matter who you're playing. Going 22 of 24 from the free throw line is insane. And a reminder, like, they're not guarding the shot. It's a free throw. It's the same as any other free throw. How the heck were you that good from the line? Uh, if you want to look at the rebounding, uh, Georgia Southern out-rebounded Carver, uh, 55 to 28. Uh, the turnovers in this game were absolutely it's absolutely insane when you look at these numbers. Um, so Carver turned the ball over 49 times. Georgia Southern only turned it over 11. The steals, uh, the margin on that was 28 to three in favor of Georgia Southern. 
Um, fouls. Oh boy, were there fouls. There were 20 on the Cougars. There were only six on the Eagles. Yeah, this game is absolutely dreadful. Uh, to put even more onto this, Carver did not score a single point in the entire second quarter. They did not score a point in the entire second quarter. Uh, of their 15 points, nine of them came from one player who came off the bench. Only three players on Carver's team even scored. Three. You had, uh, it was nine, four, and two. Meanwhile, for uh, Georgia Southern, every single player that played in the game scored points. Every single player. And uh, they seemed to rotate a lot. There was a player that only played for two minutes, scored four points. Of course. Of course. By the way, uh, the leading scorer for Carver, she was the only one that hit a free throw for him. This game was a joke. An absolute utter mess. Uh, which is what you expect, because Carver has not... Carver, at that point, had not played any D1 schools for women. They played, like, 16 at that point for the men's, because, of course, that's what they're doing now. Uh, instead of being, like, 4 or 5 D1 schools, it's like, no, we're going to ramp this up to 15, 20. Um, Carver, I think their men's team has finished playing D1 schools, and they got outscored by almost a thousand points if in the total of all of them. That's insane. Over, I think it was 18, 19 games. That's just kind of ridiculous. Uh, but of course, we should talk about, like, normal stuff. Let's get back to normal stuff. First of all, um, that may have been the largest blowout. The largest D1 versus D1 blowout came on the 5th of December. That was a 79-point <clears throat> drubbing. UCLA gave it to San Jose State, 112-33. to Jeezum. Uh, that is still not the largest blowout of D1 versus D1, because that's still 95, and I don't think we're ever going to get past that. Uh, how the heck a D1 team scored 95 more than another D1 team? It's not the craziest. There is actually history. Uh, Baylor, many years ago, they played, I believe it was Moorhead State, or it was Winthrop, and they beat them by 100-plus points. This is a D1 versus D1 game. Okay, then. Uh, moving on to the lower-scoring end of things, the lowest-scoring total of this month came pretty late into it. It was the only game that had a total below 80. Good. And it was just barely below 80, only 79. Furman was at South Carolina State, and they beat him by 15, 47 to 32. And if you look at the stats, um, they're... Ugh. Field goal percentage. You look at the field goals. Furman shot 20 of 66. South Carolina State was 12 of 41. Uh, these teams did not hit free, uh, three-pointers. Uh, two of 19 for the Paladins, one of 13 for the Lady Bulldogs. Um, yeah. How many rebounds were there in this game? I'll tell you. There were a total of 76 rebounds. I mean, granted, the Carver game had a ton, too. Uh, that game had a total of 83. But still, 76. Uh... And it was relatively close. 
uh, 42 for uh, Furman, 34 for South Carolina State. Uh, turnovers. You're not going to win a game when you turn the ball over 25 times, and that's what South Carolina State did. Furman only turned it over 17 times. Uh, yeah, it just wasn't good shooting. Although, yeah, it's just, it, it's not good. That's how you get such a low score. Still not the lowest score from the season. I am still very confused by how a team, uh, how two teams can manage to score a total of 68 points in 40 minutes with a shot clock. But that happened. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, the lowest scoring team was Carver. already mentioned that. The lowest scoring D1 team. There was not one. There were two. They both scored the same number of points in their games. 31. On the 1st of December, Bucknell beat St. Francis of Pennsylvania, 68-31. And then in a game on the 10th, South Dakota beat Valparaiso, 51-31. So 31 points. Is that the lowest by a D1 team? No, that's still Bellarmine's 25-point effort against Louisville. And so... Um, in conclusion, that 15 is a tie, because last time I had screwed up and I didn't find this one, but it's a tie with D3 Valley Forge. Uh, they score 15 in a 102-15 loss against Mount St. Mary's. Um, highest scoring team in a D1 game, uh, so D1 versus D1 game, that's still the 131 by Texas. However, um, the highest scoring team in a single game, that is also still Stephen F. Austin, 137 to 46 victory over Arlington Baptist. Uh, we have a new highest scoring game. We still have the same lowest scoring game. Most of our records are still intact here. So again, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to do this for the month of January. We're going to do this for the month of February. Catch it then. But that's going to end this one. Thankfully, I didn't go like 40 minutes. I only went 30. Great. Still pretty long. So don't forget, tomorrow, new episode of uh, the LSU Flying Tigers podcast, which is going to be maybe pretty long because I've got a lot to say. Um, and there are going to be some notes that I have about the thing. And then I don't really know how I'm going to be able to preview the next meet, considering they do not release any sort of idea of what we're going to be looking like. Because, you know, why would we ever get information about who's going to compete until like an hour before? I get that's how lineup cards work, but guys, really, why do you do this to me? Why do you do this to me, specifically? I know you don't care, but come on. But anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of A Thing That Doesn't Have a Title. So if you enjoyed this, why not share it with others? Um, you want to find me on Twitter, find me at capital B-E-N, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital S, P-O-R-T-S. So once again, I'm Ben Schuler. This has been a recap of the scoring anomalies and stuff from the month of December in men's and women's Division I basketball. Until the next time of an episode, bye-bye. <laughs>